In this episode, we're talking to Nicolette Souder, founder of the global nature connection movement Wild a Child and Wild Schooling, about how she created this online nature connection movement and managing wild schooling and running a business. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. Today is one of those days that I get to meet someone I've read all about, followed online for years, and who actually inspired me to take a road less travel. And thankfully, she has absolutely lived up to all my hopes of the kind of person they might be in real life. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Nicolette Souder. Nicolette's the creator of Wilder Child and Wild Schooling. Nicolette's passion and heart's mission is to help families step back into the circle of wild things and bond with Mother Nature. She believes that when we are rooted in that relationship and ancient connection, that we heal, we flow and we fly. In 2013, Nicolette, her husband and one-year-old daughter, the wild child, took a first step in realising their dreams and moved to northwest Michigan to start Honeybird Farm, a 60-acre farm based on regenerative agricultural principles. They had no conscious idea of how much living that close to nature would transform them. Nicolette originally started Wilder Child to help record and lend words to the deep familial bonds they were forging with the wild that surrounded them. But it was her community, like ours, and their stories, voices and support that encouraged her to share more and begin serving as a nature connection guide and conduit for families who wanted to walk side by side, barefoot down the dirt line path in what is now a passionate, mud-loving, free community spanning the globe. Now, unfortunately, whilst I had a really enjoyable hour-long chat with Nicolette today, technology let us down and only five minutes of my own audio was saved. It's honestly every podcaster's nightmare. Luckily, we were able to salvage Nicolette's audio and there were so many great nuggets of wisdom in there that we decided that we would just edit it as best as we could and publish it because we would hate for you to miss out on this conversation. We want to shout out a huge thanks to Josh, our audio producer from Voice Media, for tackling this one. I know it wasn't easy. Thank you, Josh. He's done an incredible job of stitching this together from about half a dozen separate audio files. Josh, you're a wizard. Thank you. Before we start, we'd like to ask you a huge favour. This podcast is an absolute labour of love. We do it because we love speaking to people in our industry who inspire us, and because we know that educating parents is how we make change in our industry. It takes a hell of a lot of time, about a day per week, to put each episode together. And, you know, no one pays us to do this. In fact, we pay people like Josh to help us with the audio production and Lindsay, our incredible admin superwoman, to push the podcast out into your hot little hands. So we're obviously not podcasting for the money. We're podcasting for change. So having you subscribe to the podcast or share it on your socials or just telling your friends about it helps us get the word out and in turn, hopefully we can shake up the system even just a little. We really appreciate you helping us get the word out and in doing so, making the world a better place for all children. But for now, let's hear from Nicolette. 
Welcome to the show, Nicolette. How are you today? I'm doing really good. Today was the first 60 degree day here in Michigan. So we just were outside all day. So I feel really regulated and really good. It's a little different here. It is ridiculously hot and humid. I'm so glad spring is coming for you. So to get us started, can you tell us a little history about how you came to starting Wild a Child? All right, I'll give you the short version. Um, So the short version is that my parents always really valued nature, um, but my dad worked so much that it was hard for him to get outside a lot with us. And um, I went through traditional schooling, so I was in a lot. But all the time, the little moments that we could catch, we did. And it was just really a culture of appreciating and loving nature. But then I moved with my husband and my then one-year-old to a farm, uh, 40 acres in Michigan, which we are really privileged to be on. And when we, yeah, I'd never been so dominated by nature, like, and surrounded by it in that way. Um, and it, it was humbling and it just completely changed my life. So my relationship with my daughter just unfolded within this like wilder context and I wanted to share it. You know, I just was writing. I uh, come from a writing background. I got my master's from the Art Institute of Chicago in writing. And so I was just um, trying to stay like in my passion and do what I'm passionate about while also taking care of a little one-year-old on a very rundown farm trying to homestead. And so... It was just a lot and sharing that helped me so much. And then Wilder Child was born out of that. And I think it just hit right when the zeitgeist, it was just sort of this unfolding of trying to get back um, to nature. And when my daughter was five, so I kept writing Wilder Child. Then when she was five, I um, saw her dancing in the field when my husband and I were trying to put in the water line. And I was like, I cannot take her out of this environment because she was too symbiotic with it. So then I started my homeschooling journey um, and really started a philosophy, a nature bonded homeschooling pedagogy around um, so called wild schooling. So that's really, that was the second outgrowth um, and that has grown and I'm still exploring that every day. My daughters are now five and eight and both fully wild schooled. So it's been an amazing journey, but like you and I were talking before this, just it's always changing. It's always shifting. It's always unfolding. And I'm so happy that it is. I never want to portray myself as an expert because I think like that hierarchy is very a colonial perspective. And also um, I'm not an expert. I'm just, I'm really connected to mother nature and she's very emergent. That's where life is always shifting and moving. And so I try to root myself there. Okay. So for those that haven't heard the term before, can you tell us what wild schooling is? Sure. Um, I like to think about it as really a way of being um, in relationship with Mother Nature and, you know, your learning and your growth and your connection to each other emerges out of that relationship. So it's basically like the wild, the child, and then also the guide. I guess I think about it as this trifecta of this alchemy that's going between um, this relational alchemy. So that's why it's emergent. It's responsive. And all humans used to live like that. 
that was just how life was. I mean, you, you know, and, and I think what you see a lot now is, okay, we're going to get like, you'll, you'll take something in nature, right? Like you'll, you'll look at the pond and then you'll get this nature-based curriculum that you bring in. So now, oh, we're going to do the pond study. And sometimes you don't even encounter encounter the pond first. You actually like, okay, this is the week we're going to do pond study. And so again, what's happening there is that you're just commodifying nature instead of really rooting into that relationship. And wild schooling encourages that through living in rhythm, you know, with the lunar cycles and uh, within the larger solar cycle and building cultural touch points at uh, the equinoxes and solstices and the midpoints. And then also just building your own cultural traditions around those touch points and in around what is emerging within your own biome and your own community. So many of of the the nature-based activities and materials out there are really like they don't work across biomes and they certainly don't work across communities. So it's also a movement about, you know, predicated on freedom and um, decolonization and really just getting back to relationship with each other and with the land. And it takes time because it feels new, even though it's ancient. So what benefits have you seen in your family from wild schooling? Well, I think there's a a move away from like our well no this is this is interesting. It's actually put us in this really unique space and way of being where we feel both connected and our individual selves. So because we're out there so much and everything, like even our jewelry and our food, everything, like everything is everything, right? Like it's like in Moby Dick where he's riding by the the oil from the, from the whale and, and he's riding on whale skin and, you know, the the lamp is lit from the whale fat. It's that's how we are like with nature, but we are also individual beings and caretakers and guides within that larger system too. So I think it's really helped us stand in that duality as opposed to the traditional school system where you are an individual, right? You are dominating, you are reigning over this dominion. So you go out and you, nature is really, and the world is just something you backdrop your own personal achievements on. And it's, it's a resource from which to take. So having mother nature as kin, as partner has enhanced our lives in terms of like us being, when you feel you're one with something larger than you, that empathy becomes so much larger and you're, you're both humbled and empowered at the same time. So it's a really enriching place to, to grow and learn from. I would say that even if you don't consider yourself a spiritual person, even the idea that you are not alone in terms of all that you are returns, right? To something greater, it composts in, like the knowledge of who you are composts back in. I think there is something, even if you don't want to see it as spiritual, there's something very poetic and inspiring and humbling about that. So you get those deeper emotive resonance when you let go of that control, right? Like 
eventually we all go back in, in and eventually everything that we are, and you kind of can see this on a cyclical level too, because wild schooling really moves, you know, in terms of if there was a shape of wild schooling, it really is the circle, but more so it's the spiral because as you circle around each solar year, you pass the things that you've always passed before, but, and yet, you know, them deeper and deeper, or, you know, them a different aspect of it. Like we've, tapped our maple tree every year, you know, mother maple, we call her. And now my daughter's eight. So she's on, you know, her sixth year of doing it. And yet every year is fairly similar. And yet it is so different of an experience for her. And because of that, she impacts us and it's a different experience for, for, you know, us as a family because of that. Um, for example, my five-year-old is drilled into the tree for the first time. And before we did, my eight-year-old said, now first we ask permission and they put their hands on the tree. And the point is that my eight-year-old daughter was able to, was to serve as a guide. That was the first time she was ever empowered enough to serve as a guide to someone who, you know, was younger than her and who didn't know. So, and then my youngest said, then it was her turn. And my husband said, well, where should we put in the spile? And then my daughter said on the South side. And he said, well, how did you know? And he said, because Cora, that's the way Cora did it. So she, it's different for her than it was for Cora. And there's all those interpersonal, very dynamic, relational things happening, which you, but some people might just look at it and think, oh, that's boring. They're just tapping again, you know, but it, but it's not, it's ever, it's ever changing, ever flowing. And if you pay attention to it, you'll see it. It's there. Nicolette, you have done an amazing job at creating a huge online wild schooling community. How did the community come about? Well, I think I got lucky. (laughs) It was the right name at the right time. Like it really resonated. It was, um, oh, there's a word for it. I don't know. It just, it all seemed to happen at the right moment. And then, you know, there were a lot of groups like wild schoolings at over 70,000 now, because I think there are a lot of, it's kind of like world schooling, which is homeschooling on the road. This was a niche that just wasn't being like defined and supported. Yes, there's Charlotte Mason groups, and then there's a bunch of nature-based parenting groups, um, like a thousand hours outside that are very supportive and just have a wonderful voice for, and mother nature, you know, for getting children outside, rain or shine, mama. I'm just like thinking of all these, there's so many, and they're all so wonderful, but they really speak to the parenting aspect. And this is you know, a a more defined way to really root yourself in nature in regards to homeschooling. And I think the, you know, people are like, is is, is wild schooling the nature-based unschooling? You know, because it makes sense that they would think that because there's a lot of um, freedom involved in both movements, but wild schooling is really about that connection to nature. And so there's a little bit more of a framework in, in which you're walking. So for example, we start our homeschooling on the winter solstice and we walk with the light, like our knowledge grows with the light. And then we end on 
the day before the next winter solstice. So what we call our learning journal, our learning year, which is a volume in our life's book. So I think it's held a little bit more and really recognizing that there's something like a wisdom that you can tap into that we all used to tap into. So I love unschooling though, because there's so many things that it's predicated on liberation and healing. I'm reading this book, Raising Free People by Akila Richards, and it's just so fascinating and powerful. And it makes me want to make sure that I'm bringing that aspect into the work that I do also. So, but nature is very free. (laughs) And so, you know, people really were free within that context. So it lends itself to that. Personally, I want to say thank you for starting your online community. It has been a huge benefit for Amy personally, but also to our business because when we first started, it was a homeschool kindy and then it was a homeschool co-op, which we had no idea what to do or what it was about. And then somewhere along the line, I don't know where, but we stumbled across your website and saw the term wild schooling and we were like, oh my God, that that's it. That's that's what we're doing. There's a name for what we're doing. And it just resonated so deeply with us. And that's, I think that was about when we went off and did our forest school leader course. So We want to say thank you for starting this online community. Can you tell us why you think it's so important to have an online presence for what is essentially an outdoor movement? Oh my gosh, you're welcome. It's really the community that just makes all the difference. It's why I do what I do. And we used to be, you know, I think we get this idea about nature study as this independent sort of thing. You know, you look at Thoreau and Emerson, but that is not how we evolve with nature. It was, it was not an individual, you know, endeavor. It was a communal experience and life grew out of that relationship. And so There's an expression, child-led learning, where the child leads the learning. But in in wild schooling, I talk a lot about village-led learning, how it's everybody in our relationships together that then, and that relationship with nature, that then we're walking with that all as as one and an individual sort of signs and paths kind of emerge from there. So you're walking away from the fire from your community and maybe you go out on a journey and a rite of passage and then you come back, but you come back in to the fire and you have a story and you have people there who will receive it. That's the circle, right? That we don't, we don't complete that anymore. John Young talks a lot about a lot of practices that help heal that. Um, and he's he's been a huge inspiration for me. So yeah, love him. So veering a little bit away from wild schooling now, can you talk to us about business? What has been your biggest lesson or lessons as a businesswoman? I think I, what I told you is that I can't do it all. I have, you know, sort of emerging, pleasing personality. And it's something where I've had to learn boundaries with myself and, you know, I need to be authentic and want to be living the life that I'm helping people walk and guide. I mean, I can't do it any other way. I cannot be as present as I would like to with social media. It's just endless. And I'm, I don't want to complain about it because I 
am grateful for every interaction, for every email, for every time that people have felt like they could reach out to me. People have shared something. People have gathered together. And this has really grown. Like you said, it is a it is an online phenomenon. So I'm I'm grateful for it and I, I never want to take that for granted. But I will say that it is difficult for me to give in the ways that I wish I could give. Um, and I, I, at the end of the day, I just have to do the best that I can because my, what I really want to always make sure that I'm doing is creating strong infrastructure and creating, you know, whether they're products or I'm hoping to, I'm working right now on shifting wild schooling to a nonprofit. And my biggest goal is to create a way for people to gather in the real world <laughs> and to have a framework for doing that. And so I know that if I'm missing, you know, responding to someone's comment or email that they've sent, I know in my heart, okay, well, then I better be spending that time building something real if I can't respond to those. So, and that's what I try to do. It's definitely a new phenomenon too, I think. Being able to run a business like this relatively solo in the way with family, I, I do think it's a learning curve, right? Because there's not that many people who have walked the path ahead. So I think that's where I've landed recently is making sure that the time I'm spending, I'm, I'm using it to create, like reach a deep need. Like what is what is something that I could create? Of course, I want to create very... I have so many ideas. That's my problem. But I look at all those and I think, what's one core idea that I could create that could really help shift it? Or not shift because it's not like I'm changing the world, but I mean, where I can create something that resonates that really serves a need. So I kind of do that process every week, like making sure that. I'm on uh, the path and it feels good. And some months and some years are better than others. And you know, you go up and down, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be, this is my passion and it's what I feel called to do. And I'm, oh my gosh, every day I think I'm so grateful because without the community, I could not do what I do. Like it's because of that. It's because of all the community that I'm able to be in my passion. And that's the biggest gift that I could ever be given. Our world is changing more than, it, I mean, it is warp speed, like the decentralization, the deregulation of finance and everything that's going on right now. I think that because we've developed this alternative path, there will be more and more people who have the option of walking it or like a hybrid of it. People are realizing that they can do in two hours what they've been told to do in eight. People are realizing that they can can work and live anywhere they want to, that they can make money. I mean, on TikTok, people laugh about TikTok, but it's been only really a year that people have been on it. And already there are so many young people who have may are doing their passion and making money doing it. And they're just because they're on like an app. So what is possible? I'm so happy that we're sort of out ahead, right? Showing that, that the paradigm can change like any paradigm and, and people can look at it and say, wow, like I don't have to do it that way. And we're like, no, no, you don't like you can, 
if you want to, but you don't have to. <laughs> okay. So what would you say to anyone who is about to start homeschooling or wild schooling, but hasn't made the leap or is a little bit afraid to make the leap? I would say that I was scared too. And now it's like in a different reality, almost like a different dimension. We are living a life, the life of our dreams. We say it every single day and we can't even imagine going back into the box. But when I was just beginning, it really helped me to just know the fundamentals of homeschooling. And there is so much information out there on this. Me and Jenny from A Thousand Hours Outside actually did that I'll have up on my website soon. And she has it up on hers is a beginning homeschool seminar just to talk about the absolute basics because it is so scary. Like, okay, in my state, like what are my requirements? Because in the U.S., every single state is different. Like Michigan, we're a really loosely regulated homeschooling state, but in other states, there's more regulations. And then once you can get your, okay, here's your fundamentals and look at it and see, here's the maximum you can do, right? You can basically recreate school at home and no judgment. Everybody needs to do what they need to do for their family. And then you can scale it all the way back and you can look at like wild schooling and unschooling and you can see what everything offers and then you can slowly experiment, right? So we found a really healthy balance. It's wild schooling doesn't mean no curriculum. I'm using a math curriculum, but I'll tell you this. I've taken the time to experiment, to talk to people in my own community and find out what's going to work for my family. And actually that first year we did something that in wild schooling is called realigning. We just got back in touch with mother nature. We just spent the whole year basically deprogramming ourselves and in unschooling it's called deschooling. So I think take it slow is my best advice. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of homeschoolers out there and they love it and they're eager to talk about it. If I could tell myself one thing, I would have said get into a community that you feel connected to sooner. Because my little village that I formed has changed our lives. And when you're doing it, when you first think of homeschooling, you really are like stuck in your own house and you think nobody's doing it. You think it's weird and you're scared. Once you start like hanging out with other homeschoolers, like, okay, I've got my people. (laughs) Speaking of people, do you have any exciting projects coming up? I'm doing a couple little small things that I'm excited about. I'm a part of the Simple Living Collective, and we do a collection of materials and the creativity, and there's amazing. But we did a winter collection, so the spring collection is coming out on Monday. And then I have, I'll be doing a whole series on nature tables. I have a project that I've worked on that will help families get started on their nature table and some beautiful characters that I've created with the artist that I work with, who is actually my sister-in-law-to-be. She's such a, she's a naturalist. She actually carved her own canoe out of a tree and circumnavigated like Michigan. So she's like so in love with nature and is a beautiful artist. So I'm working with her. And then I have this project that I'm so excited about called The Wild Wheel, where I will walk 
families through how to walk with a circular seasonal year. And that's something that is going to be really serve as the backbone for wild schooling. And then my biggest, most exciting thing is, well, it's all exciting to me, but the village, I really want to launch wild schooling villages, which will help wild schoolers get together um, and have a way of building culture. So not co-ops, but really villages. And how does that look? And how does that feel different? And so that's what I'm, yeah. So I don't know. I'm like always doing a lot because my brain is <laughs> always like working and, you know, this is, this is healthy for me. My husband's like glad I have, I have this so I can just like get it out and, you know, get these things out of my head. So to end the episode, we usually like to end with some rapid or let's be honest, not so rapid questions. Feel free to take your time answering these. Here's the first one. What is your favorite book of all time or what are you currently reading? Oh my gosh. So I'm currently reading Raising Free People by Keela Richards. So it's the, the subtitle is Unschooling as Liberation and Healing Work. And it really talks about post-colonial parenting. And I think it's a must read. And her podcast is phenomenal. So she, that's what I'm reading right now. And my favorite book of all time is Island of the Blue Dolphins because, uh, and Hatchet. Those two books live forever in my mind. And I was, I was young, but the books that you read when you're young and those first books that really resonate on that heart level, not like, oh, you know, Nancy Drew, I loved Nancy Drew, but, <laughs> but this is like where, oh my, like this really resonated with me. And I actually think it like tuned me to a different vibration, like within myself and emotively I grew. I feel like I took a huge leap when I read those books and they're both rooted in nature and yeah, so I'd say those are my, both my two favorite books of all time. Oh, I loved teaching Hatchet as an English teacher. It's one of those books that hooks even those boys that, you know, quote unquote, hate reading. It's such a good one. And I'll have to put Aquila's on the list as well. It's about the second time I've heard that one recommended. All right. So where do you go or what do you do to reset after a rough day? Oh gosh, I just I just had a hard day yesterday because I was working on this project for a long time and I, I messed up the formatting and obviously I go outside. But I go out and try to put my feet on the earth, my hands on the earth and really try to connect up. So do a lot of grounding work and feel that deep connection that's there, right? It's a communication. So I try to get into communication so I can co-regulate with Mother Nature, which I really feel like nature is an extension of our nervous systems. And the more you're out there, you can actually feel that extension. You feel that you extend into the landscape, which is why going barefoot is so important. I basically have done it enough that I can wait till I know I've made that connection. And that communication is back. A lot of times it might not even be something that's happened to me. It's just because I've been inside so long, I've lost the communication, like I was getting a little bit disconnected. So I go out, I reset it and I come back in. When I'm out with children in nature, I'm like my best self because I can hold space for them. I know how to do that and it helps me hold space for myself. You know what I love about working with kids is that they do this naturally. 
you know, given the chance to be outdoors, they know exactly how to regulate themselves in nature. Yeah, they they know how to be out there. They're, they're taught out of it, but they know how to be out there. Okay. Don't feel like this next question needs to have a short answer. What one thing would you change about the education system? I would turn every school into a village. I would get mixed ages. I would mix up the ages. I would get in elders and guides from the community. And that is the number one thing I would start with is mixing up that dynamic. I would have them culture build with nature like you can bring it in. There's so much that can be done within the traditional framework where people would still feel comfortable. Like I'll just give you a very small example. Like even if you had an elder that was assigned to like maybe a grandparent or grandparents from someone in the classroom to come and and model something. Even if you had the moon phase on the chalkboard, that's not even woo-woo. That's just sort of like, okay, we're acknowledging we're, we're, we're also within a natural cycle. I mean, there's, very, there's small tweaks, and I think there's big tweaks that can be done. But if our schools resembled villages, and even if it was like tiny shifts, like if people gathered around a fire or a proverbial fire, you know, things like that. Like even, I hate to say this, but even if it resembled a little bit more like camp, because if it was, if it was a culturally rich camp, what we're missing is culture in schools. And it's all top down. It's all one adult with all kinds of same age children. I don't, I was a classroom teacher. I know how hard it is. You can't possibly culture build in a dynamic like that. It's, it's actually impossible. So the more you can, like, even if you're turning your desks in a circle, there's so many small things you can do to start simulating what humans are naturally evolved to connect and learn. And it is not in that scenario. That is very difficult for children to learn while their bodies are disengaged. If you go and you look at people who are still living with a lot of those same traditions that we all used to live in, what you'll see is the way that learning happens is it unfolds naturally by people modeling. The Waldorf philosophy, I think, comes close in understanding this. And the forest school approximates it too. But basically what you would have had is a whole bunch of adults and elders sitting around and doing meaningful work, right? In Waldorf, they call it meaningful work. So then the kids run up, they see what's going on. Maybe they work a little bit and they go away. Maybe an elder sends them out on an errand. And that is the way that humans acquire knowledge. And then maybe then as they grew, they would start to walk down a path that was modeled by someone who they had known very, very well in their life. You know, they say, oh, that's Bob the fire. I've seen him, you know, starting fire since I was a little baby. And now here he is. Now I'm ignited by his life path, by his passion. But that's not how we have people choose their life path. We just kind of, okay, get a general feeling for what we might want to do. You know, it took me so long to find what I truly wanted to do. And that was solely because I did not have a path. I did not have a mentors. I did not have an array of passionate adults showing me possible paths. And there was no rights or initiation. 
So we can do better. We don't have to throw out everything because obviously that's a homeschooling is a privilege. I mean, that is the truth. So, but there is so much that can be done. And in the future, I really hope to work closer with the schools because little, little things make a very big difference within, because it is so regimented and authoritarian, little differences end up making a really big difference. All right. And to finish off, where can we find you, Nicolette? Okay. So you can find me at wilderchild.com and a wilder child on Instagram. And Wild Schooling is a group on Facebook that I would love to have you all, if it feels like it's the right thing for you, come on over. And yeah, that's it. And I'm I'm around. So <laughs> I anyone who is really struggling, anyone who wants help, um really, you know, letting go and inviting nature into this homeschooling journey in a way that's really in our blood and it's it's in our being already. So it's not really me showing anybody anything. It's just that deep remembering. I'm really just walking people back to something they already know. So it's something that I, I love to do. Is there any fundamental part of wild schooling that you think sometimes gets looked over or skipped upon that you think is an integral part of wild schooling and homeschooling? Yeah, the Indigenous, you know, First Nations community, there are so many people who are actively living a nature-bonded life, and they are some of your best resources, your local um, First Nations communities and organizations. I highly recommend getting involved. I just contacted the Michigan Native Rice Association, and many of their members are Indigenous. And so they hold ancient rice seed that I want to use because I want to populate my landscape with that language. And so they are absolutely your best resource, which is why we do land acknowledgements here all the time and know that there were words that named our landscapes long before we came. And those words were very powerful and they emerged out of like, not something random, but out of like that relationship that the people had with those plants and those animals and that soil. So absolutely excited to keep learning more about, you know, who came before me. I think that's so important. And Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and staying up so late. And thank you to your husband for putting the kids to bed while you work late into the night and continue joining this global community right across the globe. Thank you so much. Thank you for keeping on trying and for all the work that you're doing. I feel really connected to you and I'm, I'm so happy to have been able to talk. This job is such a joy and such a great reminder that while we fight for more time in nature for children, that there really is beauty in technology too. Nicolette has created an outdoor movement by using technology. She's building communities of like-minded, nature-loving families across the globe using technology. I am able to speak to inspiring advocates and entrepreneurs like Nicolette using technology. It's all about finding that balance of nature, movement, community, family, work and technology, right? Sometimes it feels like a roller coaster you want to get off, and sometimes, like today, you get to look around and realize that at least for today, you've got the balance right. Today is one of those days for me. 
As this episode drops, Vicky and I and a few of our good friends will be away. We're taking some time off and heading off camping on Stradbroke Island before the Easter holiday rush. So this is your little reminder that our Easter holiday programs are open for bookings, that Brisbane is almost already sold out. So if you're thinking of booking in these holidays, then please jump on and book as soon as you can if you don't want to miss out. And if you do miss out or you're going to be away this Easter, then why not head over to wildlingsforestschool.com slash free dash downloadables to download your free Easter Bilby printable that you can take with you. And the kids can then decorate with flower petals or leaves and grass or any other treasures you find on your daily dose of vitamin N while you just sit back and relax. I just want to say thank you to our listeners today if you got this far for persisting in what is a little bit different to our usual podcast. I hope you found some gold nuggets. Nicola is one of those people that I, I finished this podcast and you know my husband asked how it all went and I went, oh, I can't wait till we can fly again because I would love to go and meet her. She's one of those people I just know that we would be instant and really good friends. So thank you for listening to this podcast because it enables us to interview people that really inspire us and help us continue our advocacy and our cause and helps us to meet beautiful people all across the globe. So thank you again for persisting and until next week, stay wild. Stay wild.